I think what makes this intergenerational money talk so challenging is that it actually challenges long existing relationship dynamics between parents and children. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Hi, this is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I want to welcome Blair Baldwin, the founder of Age Up to the Breaking Money Silence podcast today. Welcome, Blair. Oh, thanks, Kathleen, so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really um, excited to learn more about the research that your firm Age Up did around millennials and money, and you are kicking off the series uh, on this topic. So uh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say today. Oh, fantastic. Well, we just did a lot of really interesting research, so hopefully it will give us some good talking points yeah, during our absolutely. conversation. <laughs> absolutely. Before we get into that, about millennials and money specifically. I'm curious, I know you started the company Age Up, and I, I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what inspired you to found this company and just you know, very briefly what it is so that gives them some context to our conversation. Yeah, of course, Kathleen. So Age Up is actually a product, uh, and it's a product that's sold by the Haven Life Insurance Agency, which is a subsidiary of Mass Mutual. So Haven Life is like Mass Mutual's in-house startup. And kind of the story of Age Up really actually begins with a startup that I founded called Quilt uh, that was acquired by Mass Mutual and Haven Life about two years ago. And, you know, Mass Mutual and Haven Life gave us this really interesting, unique challenge. They said, look, you guys are really good at, you know, product innovation and creating entirely new insurance products. Why don't you take a fresh look at annuities and come up with something just new and different? Nobody's really innovated in the space of annuities give it a go. And we were really excited about this open-ended challenge. It helped that in a way that we didn't know anything about annuities. So we had no kind of, I don't know, pre-existing biases or constraints that were limiting our thinking. Um, but we actually did know quite a bit about life insurance because Quilt, the, the insure tech that I founded, you know, was one of the early movers in online life insurance. And one of the things that always really interested me about uh, life insurance was the fact that it really is at this financial protection product that protects people against one side of the sort of the mortality curve. If you think of, you know, uh, almost like a bell curve of death, like when people die, you buy life insurance because of the small risk that you're going to die earlier than expected, earlier than most people. Sort of this, the long tail risk protection for stuff on the left side of that sort of bell curve of life. What's really interesting to us though, is that there was never a, a financial product protecting folks against the other end of the curve. Um, namely, like what happens if you actually live much longer than expected? In most ways, this is a great thing, living a very, very long life. However, many people aren't financially prepared for living into their 90s or beyond. And so we took that nugget of insight, really looking at life insurance and flipping it on its head from a product to protect against dying too soon to 
a product that protects against living longer than expected. And what we ended up doing is taking a, an annuity um, product and sort of tweaking it to provide this really long tail longevity protection. Um, and then how this sort of connects back to what we're talking about today is that in the context of this work, what we realized is that this longevity risk problem that we were solving for with age up is something that impacts both, let's call them the super seniors or the uh, that are in their 90s or, or hundreds. Uh, it impacts them directly, but it also impacts their families. Because typically what happens when somebody reaches a really advanced age, they may have already run out of their resources. And usually it's the family, the, the children that end up sort of jumping in to support their, their parents. And it's that intergenerational dynamic between the parents and the children that, that sort of really led us to create a job. And so what we ended up doing is focusing on essentially two generations right now, the baby boomer generation, so people who are in their 60s and 70s, and then their children, which is actually the millennials and the younger uh, sort of slice of Gen X Xers. Yeah. And sort of unpacking the dynamic between these two generations, like their financial, their attitudes towards finance and retirement savings, and taking that and essentially bringing that to market as a product to predict against longevity. So we just did a really large survey of about 1,500 millennials to, uh, and younger Gen Xers to ask about their attitudes, uh, attitudes towards their parents' retirement savings and longevity. And then we actually followed that up with another parallel survey uh, to about 1,500 baby boomers themselves. And so we could get some interesting sort of cross-generational cross comparisons between the two. Um, but awesome. anyway, I'll stop there because it's, I've said a whole lot all at once. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So, I, you know, I know almost half of Americans would rather talk about death, dying, or politics than talk about money. And I also um, have a sense that that hasn't changed for the younger generations. So tell me, Blair, given what you've experienced, what your company, AgeUp, has researched, do you think millennials still find talking about money taboo? Absolutely. And one of the places where you can see this is actually in the data. So we asked this question very directly, um, like how important is it that you talk to your parents about their retirement, retirement savings? And the majority of, of millennials and younger Gen Xers said it was, was really important. But then you contrast that with the follow-up question, which is how often do you actually talk to your parents about their retirement savings? And there, uh, the answer was, not very often. So it turns out that I think 57% of the millennials like never uh, or rarely once a year talk to their parents about their, their finances. And that's a, that's a key signal for us that this really is a, a taboo topic. Um, yes, no, absolutely. I, I will, I'll share a link to the public uh, summary of your research with our listeners, if that's okay with you, Blair, because there's some really interesting stats in there around money silence. And so I think what you're talking about is that disconnect. And I've seen it before between partners. So I do a lot of work around couples mm -hmm. or with advisors and their clients of like, yes, we want to talk about money. But then you ask them, do you actually talk about money? And the answer is like, well, not really. And so I think that disconnect is what you're seeing with the millennials or, and you, you use this term younger Gen Xers, which I'm a cusper. So I'm an old, old Gen Xer. <laughs> almost a boomer. So it's, it's a little hard for me to hear, but I understand it's the younger Gen Xers that are being impacted. It's interesting. It's kind of similar to the concept of asking people, should you take your vitamins? And then do you take your vitamins? 
And there's sort of a disconnect between people knowing that they should do something and then actually doing it. Um, by the way, we actually found something very similar. We asked the question of, should you include your parents in your own financial plan? Oh, interesting. 81% of those millennials and younger Gen Xers said yes. And then we asked the follow-up question, uh, have you included your parents in your current financial plan? And only 36% had. So you just see this big disconnect between should and do, which we, we found really interesting. Yeah, no, I think, you know, certainly as someone who focuses on behavioral change, and it is interesting that we know the right, quote, unquote, the right thing to do, but do we do it? And that disconnect for all generations, right? I think that's kind of human nature sometimes. Um, so tell me with millennials, because I know you, you asked some interesting questions, what did they worry about the most? Like when it came to finances, what were their top concerns? So we really asked the questions around their parents. And so not directly for millennials for their own finances, but what they're okay. worried about their, their parents. And really the number one concern was their parents outliving their resources. And this, this was a top concern about 62% of the time. And one of the kind of the interesting little nuggets of insight that came out of this survey and possible explanations uh, for why this might be so is, you know, we asked the question about um, sort of social security and if uh, millennials thought that social security would essentially be like a viable source of income for, for their parents in about 30 years. And I think it was like 71% of them said no, like hard no, not, not going to be there for, for their parents. What's actually really interesting is we asked the same question to the, the, to the baby boomers in that follow-up survey. And you have the baby boomers much more optimistic about social security as a source of retirement income for them. So this is one of the things that we at least hypothesize could be driving um, you know, some of these differences. It's just the, uh, attitudes towards whether the government will be sort of stepping in to help support older people in, say, 30 years' time. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I just did a podcast interview with uh, Marsha Mantel, who specializes in social security and talking about it for women. And so the different perspectives, I mean, you know, I just disclosed I'm a little bit older and she's a boomer and the different perspectives as to whether it's going to be there, not to fund your entire retirement, but whether it'll even exist, um, that there's definitely different beliefs depending generation to generation. So that was really, I think, something striking in your survey that you know, over 70% of millennials said, it's not gonna be here to help my parents. So that disbelief in the government. So, so I know this isn't your area of expertise, but I know mm -hmm. your product is positioned to help uh, with these conversations or to help fill the gap, at least in terms of making sure parents have resources, making sure millennials are taking care of their parents. And so the question I, I want to ask, and it could be your personal opinion if it's, you know, you don't have research on it, is what do you think it is about talking about finances across generations that's so challenging? Like, do you have any sense of that? I mean, you're a dad of two young yeah. kids, so you're going to be having these conversations someday as well. What do you think, Blair? So this is personal opinion, because this isn't something that we you know, research explicitly, but I think what makes this intergenerational money talk so challenging is that it actually challenges long existing relationship dynamics between parents and children. You know, and so if you think about a typical parent-child relationship, it's one where the parent is sort of the, the provider, sort of the authority figure. Uh, and then the, the child is the sort of dependent on that, on that parent. And that's how you're, you're kind of, your brain is like hardwired from you know, age zero up until you're an adult. 
I think what starts to happen with these money conversations is that it starts to alter that existing dynamic. And because it's so ingrained in people's heads, they kind of have a hard time sort of processing it. And it just, it makes it difficult to talk about because it challenges a way that they're very used to thinking literally from, from birth. So that's personal opinion, but yeah. I think it's, it's a realistic one to, to sort of stand behind. You know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, from my personal life, having taken care of my mother who had Alzheimer's uh, and she passed away over a decade ago, my dad's 89. I had a grandmother who lived to 103, 106. So I certainly have that longevity factor in my family. Um, but really thinking about as someone gets older and they do need care, and I was fortunate in that my dad is very financially prepared. And so we've talked about the money. Um, but in terms of just that flip dynamic, Blair, there is a way in which all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, now I feel like they're, I'm the parent and they're the child. And it is something um, that is a little awkward. I, I think for me and for anybody who's listening in, I think the key is to start early and to talk about it often um, and to know that it's uncomfortable for most of us. And, and when I look at your research, I see, yeah, it's uncomfortable for many generations. And it isn't just, you know, it's that we're all in it together trying to figure this thing called talking about money out. So when you created Age Up, tell me a little bit again about like your mission or how this product can help people talk about money or cover their risk around longevity. Um, maybe just briefly highlight kind of what your thought processes around that and, and how that product works. Yeah. So in terms of the, the, the product and our, let's say it like our, our challenge when we started this, this whole adventure, the challenge was create a new type of annuity that's uh, accessible and relevant to sort of the vast majority of Americans. So typically annuities, they, they tend to be very expensive uh, and tend to be sold to a relatively small sliver of the population. And we really wanted to create something that was, for one, digital, that anybody could buy. It was accessible if you just had a computer. Uh, two, that was financially accessible, um, meaning that an annuity, I think the average annuity sold today is about $100,000. So it's a really large amount of money. We wanted something that would be financially accessible to everybody. So um, small monthly premiums as low as $25 a, a month. Uh, and we wanted it to, to be relevant to actually solve a, a meaningful uh, problem. And so the product design that we came up with, essentially an annuity that doesn't start paying out until somebody, they reached into their 90s, lets you take very small dollar contributions and almost sort of stack the income up over time and so that when you actually do reach your 90s, it's a, a really material amount. Uh, and it ends up solving this, this longevity problem, which is uh, more and more people are living into their 90s and beyond, and they're outliving their resources. So it's a nice kind of combination of solving an unmet market need and also creating a really financially accessible product for the masses. So I've read a little bit about it before this interview. And so one of the things is, is this is a product for millennials to buy for their parents. Now, how do you do that? Do you like give it to them, you know, for the holidays? You know, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Here's your insurance in case you live past 90. <laughs> how does well, that work, Blair? Yeah, in a way, you know, this actually connects directly to what you're doing on this yeah. podcast, which is it really forces a discussion between uh, adult children and their, and their parents. Because again, when a parent reaches their 90s or beyond, their finances are going to get intermingled with your finances anyway. And so what we're trying to do with this product, essentially solve a problem 
that may exist, but well in the future. So solve it now in small little bits of $25, $50. And then hopefully in 20 years, we will like avert a longer term problem. Um, but what it does is it actually it forces a conversation between the, the millennial or the younger Gen Xer and their baby boomer parent. And it gives them a way to do that with this new product that's never existed before. Uh, and that's our hope, at least. And um, what we're trying to do is sort of combine this new product design with, you know, frankly, folks like yourself who are preaching the importance of products like these and conversations like these. And we'll hopefully get more people to really work together to make more solid financial plans. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think one of the things that I want to ask before I let the listeners know more about how they can find out about you and age up and um, look at the product for themselves is, you know, I have a fair amount of financial advisors that listen to this program. And I know as they're sitting out there listening, there's going to be some pushback. I'm not saying all of them, but some of them are going to be like, well, well, why should I recommend this to my clients? Or, um, you know, this annuities that I don't like the word annuities, you know, whatever they might come up with. Like, how have, how have you and age up dealt with that backlash or maybe you haven't experienced it yet but i have a feeling there's going to be a little pushback from the existing financial advising world or the traditional financial advising world yeah and that's that's probably a fair expectation because what we're doing is so different um literally all annuities today are sold through the traditional sort of financial advisor channel uh and we're doing something very different this is all direct to consumer so anybody can go to the website and purchase it on, the, on their own and in a way sort of bypass the financial advisor. And so we do expect that that may be a little scary uh, and a little unfamiliar for financial advisors. At the same time, we also realize, again, having spent a lot of time talking to people and surveying folks, that they don't make their decisions in a vacuum and they actually go to their financial advisor for advice. So even if they may read about something online, like a new product like AgeUp, more likely than not, they're actually going to take this product go back to their financial advisor and ask a few questions, you know, try to suss out whether this is a, a good idea or not. So the financial advisors are very much part of uh, sort of how we envision the product being sold. It's just not in a traditional way where they're getting a commission and, and actually walking the client through it and selling it. Does that make sense? Like It does. That's actually a really good distinction. It helps me understand, and I'm sure some of my listeners understand. And I think there's so much changing in the financial services industry and a lot of it for the for good in terms of, you know, one of the things that I hear that really is heartwarming for me is that age up and what you're trying to do is provide a solution for people who aren't affluent, who don't um, sometimes fit the minimums of a, you know, what historically we think someone who has to have to go to a financial advisor. And I know that's shifting and changing in the field with a lot of what's uh, happening um, with the XY planning network and a lot of younger advisors. Um, but I think it's good to think about it. it. It's not an either or. It's kind of like, here's, a, here's something that may be of interest to you. Check it out. You may purchase it on your own. You also, if you have an advisor, may want to run it by your advisor and see how it fits with your holistic picture. I think that really serving middle America is something that the industry hasn't done a great job at. So the more we can do that, the better off. I certainly think coming from a middle-class background, that's a good idea. 
So where nice. can people find out more about you, Blair, and your company, Age Up? Like if they just wanted yeah. to go and, and I'm going to post a link to the research, but what's the best website or what's the best way to reach out to you? Just go to uh, age-up.com. Uh, so we're a product, we're underwritten by MassMutual. So MassMutual is, uh, is the parent company of Haven Life, which is the digital distribution. So the digital agency that sells Age Up. As I said, underwritten by MassMutual. And MassMutual is one of the largest and oldest insurance carriers in the country. And when you go to ageup.com, you can both read all about the product, uh, about sort of this longevity risk that, that we've talked about today, as well as get tips about talking to your parents and family about um, money and some of these awkward topics. I, I would be a bad salesman if I didn't mention you could also go through and purchase the product on ageup.com, which you can. Um, but it, you can also just play around with a calculator and various tools to get a sense for how it works and if it's the right product for you. Awesome. Well, I have so enjoyed this conversation. I love that Age Up reached out to the Breaking Money Silence podcast and we got to uh, chat today and I hope we can have further conversations because I think what you're up to is really interesting. Oh, thank you so much, Kathleen, for, for having us on today. <laughs> Great. I want everybody to make sure that they check out Age Up. Um, I will post again all the information on there for you to easily click through. And um, if you have any questions for Blair or myself about this podcast, feel free to email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with friends using your favorite podcast app. So thanks again, Blair. Have a good rest of your day. Oh, thanks, Kathleen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.